and welcome to another broadcast of Sunshine USA. And I want to say hello to all of our listeners on Anchor FM and Spotify and the other platforms that we broadcast on here at Sunshine USA. I'm Warren Landis, the host and Bible teacher here on Sunshine USA. Now, I want to say today's broadcast is going to be a little bit different. I'm actually uh, taking a break from our series on Hosea. And uh, I will resume that series on the next broadcast. On the next broadcast will be in Hosea chapter 7. So this actually gives you uh, a little more time to go ahead and read Hosea chapter 7. And that's the chapter I'll be doing commentary on in the very next broadcast of Sunshine USA. But today uh, I'm going to bring a message which is actually part sermon and part church history lecture. (laughs) for lack of a better way of putting it, I'm going to be speaking on the subject of revival and spiritual awakening. Revival and spiritual awakening. That's going to be uh, basically the title of my message for today. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 16, and verse 15, I never like to bring a message that is not grounded in the Word of God. And so the verse I'll be preaching from today basically is Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. And it's really a very short verse. Now, when you see how long this message is, you're going to realize <laughs> it's a good thing I'm just preaching on one verse. But it says in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, And he, that is Jesus, said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Now this, of course, would be, in its simplest form, the message of the church. And, in fact, the mission of the church. You know, it's very interesting that every business in America today that is properly incorporated has a mission statement. That mission statement simply points out the primary mission of that particular business or corporation. Well, we can say the church also has a mission statement, and that is found in its simplest form in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, that I just read to you. Now, it's found in an expanded form, in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. But for us to go out as a church and preach the gospel to every creature, that is the mission statement of every church. Now, I'm a very strong believer in the fact that every church ought to have everything it does centered around the goal of reaching their community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, uh, many churches today have many great ministries. Um, Some churches have a food pantry ministry, and that certainly is needed in our day and time, because there's a lot of people that are hungry and they need food. Some churches have a clothing ministry, trying to get clothes, and especially warm winter coats, to uh, people that are homeless and and don't have one. Uh, We have other churches today that might uh, specialize helping senior citizens repair their house and when they can't afford it. Um, 
That's a good ministry to have. But really, every ministry of the church ought to be geared around the goal of reaching that community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, bearing in mind, when we feed the poor, we clothe the poor, we help repair their housing, uh, maybe we supply them with transportation to areas where they can go shopping and, and, and have a doctor's appointment. All of these are worthwhile ministries, and when we do these things for people, they realize, you know, these people do this for me, and they do it because they love me, and most of all, because they love God. And these are the kinds of ministries that a lot of times will cause people to start looking at what God has to offer. Amen? <laughs> Amen. You know, one of the things that I find in America today is that there is this clamoring for revival this clamoring for spiritual awakening. I have heard quite a few sermons on the radio lately dealing with the subject of spiritual awakening. A lot of preachers are saying, hey, we want to see revival like we used to have in America. We want to see spiritual awakening like we used to see in America. And many are asking the question, why don't we see it? Well, I, I was uh, thinking along these lines, um, and of course my own pastor, uh, Lenny Miller, pastor of the San Susie Church here in Greenville, he's been bringing a very exciting series on spiritual awakening, and I think it's been a great series, and that series of sermons that he's doing has sparked my own interest in the subject of spiritual awakening and revival. And, um, and, of course, I realize that Sunshine USA reaches people not only all across America, but throughout the world. And so I, I felt like, hey, this is a subject so important that I need to bring it to the attention of my radio audience. Now, by the way, my sermon is not necessarily preached in the same way that Lenny Miller would preach it. I'm sure he would probably agree with most everything I say, and I agree with pretty much everything he has said. But, you know, we both have different audiences. And, uh, <laughs> but anyway, um, I want us to think for a moment about revivals that have taken place in the past, for example, spiritual awakening that took place in the past, uh, even in my lifetime. I can remember, and maybe I'm dating myself a little bit here, but I can remember the old-fashioned tent revivals. The old-fashioned tent revivals. People would drive for miles around to hear some evangelist preach at an old-fashioned tent revival. And, of course, the Bible would be preached in these huge, large canvas tents, and really, it was probably a good thing, because back in those days, most churches didn't even have air conditioning. And these tent revivals probably were cooler and more comfortable than the inside of some of the churches. And the good thing about it is, the tent revivals were actually a witness to everybody in the community. 
Many churches would bring their their PA system outside and hook it up. And people driving up and down the highway in front of the church, they would actually hear the gospel of Jesus Christ being sung and preached. Uh, many cars would pull over to hear what the preacher had to say. Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> And uh, it was a great and exciting time. And many people came to know Jesus Christ in those days. And not only were people getting saved, but they were being saved in huge, tremendous numbers. Um, think about it this way. One of the most famous evangelists ever produced in this country, Billy Graham, who went home to be with the Lord just a few years ago, but uh, Billy Graham himself was saved at an old-fashioned tent revival. And Billy Graham himself, when he started preaching, he preached in the old-fashioned tent revivals, the most famous of which was back in 1949. Billy Graham held a tent revival crusade. It lasted for two or more weeks. Now, you know, we can't imagine that today. We have churches today that might only have one service a week. But back in those days, they went every night for two weeks. Every night. And there was no air conditioning. And guess what, guys? <laughs> the men back in those days, they wore coat and tie. Amen. I mean, you talk about being hot. They were hot. And I remember one tent revival I went to. They had this one preacher. He started off preaching in a coat and tie. This was back in the 1970s. Of course, by then, most tent revivals had already pretty much petered out. But this one preacher, he started off preaching in a coat and tie. And then, after that, he took off his coat. And later on, I think he took off his tie. I mean, it was hot. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about temperatures in the upper 80s to lower 90s. It was hot. Humidity way up there. But he preached and people came and they got saved. And some of these old-fashioned tent revivals, man, they went on for weeks a lot of times, these tent revivals would advertise a starting date, but not an ending date, because nobody knew when it was going to end. And that's how some of these tent revivals, like I say, they, they went on for weeks. And many got saved, including, like I say, Billy Graham. And, and in turn, look how many people have been led to Christ under the ministry of Billy Graham. And the ministry he started, which is now headed up by his son, continues to reach millions for Christ every year. And it all started in an old-fashioned tent revival. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. And on the subject of spiritual awakening, I read that the first spiritual awakening here in this country was actually started by a sermon preached by Jonathan Edwards. 
an American theologian, and back on July 8, 1741, in Massachusetts, Jonathan Edwards, for the first time, preached that famous sermon, Sinners in the Hand of an Angry God. And he then went on to Connecticut, where he preached the sermon there. And this sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, it became the catalyst for the first great awakening. And man, it was exciting. Now, you know, <laughs> Jonathan Edwards, he was a theologian. And basically, he, he broke every rule of preaching that I learned when I was a student at New Orleans Seminary in, uh, back in the 1980s. For one thing, he wrote out his sermon in manuscript form, word for word. Not an outline, he wrote the sermon out in a manuscript form. Word for word. It was eventually published in a book. And Jonathan Edwards, I'm told, would literally read that sermon, but he read it with such powerful effectiveness. And I would say, I'm sure under the power of the Holy Spirit, that even though he was reading that sermon, we had literally hundreds and thousands of people that would go down the aisle and receive Christ as their Savior. In fact, guess what, folks? They didn't even wait for the hymn of invitation. <laughs> About halfway through the sermon, they started pouring down the aisles, tears streaming from their face. They wanted to get saved before it was too late. They were afraid if they waited till the end of the sermon, they would die of a heart attack or Christ would come back and then they wouldn't have a chance to be saved. And they certainly didn't want to end up in this terrible, awful place that the Bible calls hell. Now, by the way, let me put a footnote in here. It's a sad thing that you don't hear very many sermons preached on the subject of hell today. You don't find very many sermons being preached today on the subject of hell. Why? It's in the Bible, folks. And I'm convinced if we were really convinced that lost people were going to splash into the lake of fire and be there forever, if we really believed that, we would do a whole lot more evangelism than what we see in America today. Amen. We would support missions like never before. If people really, honestly, sincerely believed that. Amen? Well, like I say, we have a situation where um, Jonathan Edwards would preach, sinners in the hands of an angry God, and quite a few people got saved. Now, Maybe as a follow-up to this message, I will talk about the results of the Great Awakening here in America. I'm not really going to dive into that subject on this particular broadcast, because I want to focus on our need to carry out the primary mission of the church, which is to preach and to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ 
as Savior and Lord. And then I got to thinking about the state of the church in America today. You know, I hate to say it, but the church could be partially responsible for the reason that we don't see a great awakening in America today. It would be surprising, like I say, how many churches just have one service a week. One service a week. And that's it. I mean, when you consider how many hours a week the average person spends at work or school or shopping or recreation, folks, one hour a week in church, it doesn't cut it. It's not going to be good enough. Uh, personally, I believe, and this is just my own honest opinion, I can't give you scripture and chapter and verse for it, but I, I personally think churches ought to be like it was when I was growing up. Most churches had services every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Don't see that anymore. What about the old-fashioned testimony meetings where people would stand up and say, well, you know, this is what Christ did for me this week. And, and you know, folks, the testimony is powerful. One of the things that makes a testimony so powerful is the fact that nobody can dispute it. They may or may not believe it readily, but they can't dispute it. Because if you say, this is what happened to me, unless they can prove your lying, they can't dispute it. The testimony is powerful. It's also powerful when people would talk about problems that the Lord has delivered them from. And then other people in the church hear that, and maybe they're going through the same kind of problem. And they realize the same God that helped Mary when she had that problem is the same God that's going to help John now that he has that problem. Amen. The old-fashioned testimony meeting. Man, I tell you, they were powerful. I, I can remember when I was growing up, the church I was growing up, uh, we would have a lot of those old-fashioned testimony meetings. I mean, let me tell you. And they made quite an impression on me, just to give you an example. And the church where I was growing up, you know what? We had three or four revivals a, a year. And each of these revivals lasted for a week. And in one instance, it lasted for two weeks. You don't see much of that anymore. Um, I was talking about this the other day on my Facebook page. And the response I got from some of my friends on Facebook is it's been a long time since they see any church advertising revival services. You just don't hear about it anymore. And, and it really makes you feel sorry for vocational evangelists because many of them nowadays, especially in this pandemic era, uh, they've had a hard time booking enough meetings to bring in enough money to support their families on. It's sad. 
One thing I mentioned on uh, Facebook just the other day, I said, I think every pastor listening to me right now here on Facebook, and I would say the same thing today, every pastor listening to me right now on Sunshine USA, I would like you to seriously consider scheduling a week-long, and I mean a seven-day, eight-day revival campaign, and schedule it for either this year or the first of next year. Sometime in the next 12 months, schedule a revival meeting. I think you would be amazed at the profound impact it would have on your congregation. Now, of course, I know what some of the arguments would be. Some of the people would say, well, you know, preacher, we just can't do that. People don't have a whole week to go to revival. Well, even back in those days, it wasn't easy. For example, you had a lot of men in the church. They worked eight to ten hours that day and at night. They got dressed and cleaned up a little bit, and, and they went to church to the revival meetings. It meant that that week, they were busy and they were really tired at the end of that week. But guess what? People got saved. Christians got right with God. It had a profound impact on the church. I heard about this one church. They were on the verge of dying. And the pastor decided to, to schedule a week-long revival meeting. He had a friend of his, who was a vocational evangelist, agree to come. And the evangelist said, Pastor, I believe this is such an important revival. I'm not going to charge your church a cent for coming. Now, the church did pay his way and covered his expenses, at least, while he was in town. But the evangelist came, donated his time to preaching the gospel for a whole week. And during that week, over 100 people got saved. And not only did over a hundred people get saved, many Christians in that church got right with God. And you know what? <laughs> Revival broke out in that church. Revival broke out in that community. About a week later, the young people got involved, young people from that same church. And they decided on a Saturday night they were going to have a big bonfire. And at this bonfire, they brought all kinds of country music records and rock and roll records, and they brought them to the church. Playboy magazines, penthouse magazines, they brought them to the church. And they had a big bonfire in the church parking lot, and they burned it all up. They decided, we're only going to listen from now on. We're only going to listen to God's music. Amen. I mean, some of the music played on radio stations today, I don't see how in the world Christians can justify listening to it. I mean, songs with lyrics that glorify sex, glorify living outside the will of God. And yet we have Christians all over America listening to that kind of music. No wonder we're not seeing revival in America today. No wonder we're not seeing a spiritual awakening today. It's sad. 
And yet we're doing it in a technological age where we have access to all kinds of advanced technology. One of the things I enjoy about today's technology is the fact that with today's technology, we have the ability to read the Bible on our cell phones. Now, I have actually two Bible apps on my phone. One is called uh, the Bible Hub, and the other one is called uh, Bible Gateway. And both of these are great Bible apps. They give you access to several different versions or translations of the Bible. On Bible Gateway, for example, you can actually hear the Bible being read to you if you're not able to easily read it. Now that has a lot of value, especially in the Old Testament where you read a lot of names and you don't know how in the world to pronounce some of those names. Well, you can listen to someone read it who does know how to pronounce those names. Amen. Some of these same Bible apps... Now, the version is another great Bible app. I don't have it on my phone at the present time, but I've heard it, too, is a great Bible app, and there's others. Some of these Bible apps give you free access, not only to different versions of the Bible, but it gives you free access to Bible encyclopedias, Bible commentaries, Bible atlases, Bible dictionaries, the works. A lot of this available for free. And so when it comes to being able to do deeper study of the Word of God, we have more ability to do that today with modern technology than ever before. And using that same technology, we have the ability to reach our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, this program that I do, Sunshine USA, it's a product of modern technology. Using internet technology, I'm able to preach and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Not just all over the United States, but on virtually every continent on the planet, and also in many countries around the world. The only continent where we may not have listeners is Antarctica, and I'm not even sure about that. We, we might have some scientists in Antarctica listening to Sunshine USA at the South Pole. I would hope that's true. And if it is, I hope they'll send me an email so that uh, I can send them words of encouragement. But all of this ministry today is available to the church and a lot of it can be done at little or no cost. I'm glad to see that more and more churches today are using modern technology to live stream their services. I think this is a wonderful thing, especially for the shut-ins in the church. And if you've got shut-ins in the church, maybe they have a computer, but they don't really know how to use it. Maybe you can have a committee in your church, and the people in this committee will go out into the homes of people and show these senior citizens how they can use such technology to enrich 
their spiritual lives. Amen? Amen. <laughs> and I'm, I'm glad to report that there are churches today that are trying to do the right thing. Churches today that are not afraid to be innovative. I know about at least one church, for example, uh, every year, especially in the summertime, they have these car shows. Classic antique car shows. What a great way to preach and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, there's a lot of people I have found that will go to an antique car show and they would never darken the door of a church. So if your church decides to have a car show, and by the way, you can have it in the church parking lot, but it doesn't have to be on church property. You might find a restaurant somewhere or a shopping center somewhere that will let you use their parking lot. Amen. And you can invite people to come to the car show, and when they come, they're going to hear Christian music. They're going to be invited to several local churches in town. What a great way to reach lost people with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, some of these people have a good bit of money. I mean, if you know anything about antique cars, to buy an antique car and fix it up, it costs quite a bit of money. And if someone like that gets saved and they start coming to your church, and especially if they start tithing, can you imagine the financial impact that it would have on your church? Amen. Just saying. <laughs> so um, it really gets exciting when we think about the potential the church has today with modern technology. But it also involves a certain element of sacrifice. I, I mentioned the tent revivals earlier in this message. And um, I'm here to tell you it was exciting to read about how some of these early Christians in this country, they would go to these tent revivals, and that after they had already been at work eight to ten hours that day. Some of these people got very little sleep at night. But when they thought about all the people coming and getting saved and Christians getting right with God, they said, man, it's worth a week of limited sleep just to see that happen. We have too much convenience Christianity in our churches today. We want to do things for God, but only if it's convenient. <laughs> Folks, whatever happened to that word called sacrifice, where we actually give up something we want like sleep so we can do things that reach a lost and dying world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, folks, I'm, I'm here to tell you, I'm preaching my heart out this morning as I record this message. Man's sakes alive, I'm preaching my heart out. But I can tell you, folks, I can tell you that we need to see revival and spiritual awakening in our churches today. And I know in my case, I said, Lord, if we're going to see revival 
and spiritual awakening in our churches today, I said, God, you know what? I know that it has to begin with me. I can't ask anybody else to do it if I'm not doing it myself. Most preachers will tell you, you know, when they prepare their messages during the week, that message gets to them long before it gets to anybody in the congregation. When I preach a sermon on this radio program called Sunshine USA, I'm affected by that sermon before it has a chance to affect anybody else. Amen. But let me ask you this question. When was the last time that you made a conscious, deliberate effort to tell someone about Jesus? When was the last time you invited somebody to come to your church? I remember uh, just a, a few years ago, just before the pandemic got underway, we had an Easter campaign at my church, the San Susie Church here in Greenville. And the campaign was centered on the fact that you would invite somebody to church to come and sit with you in church. Amen. It was a great campaign. Many people responded in a positive way. Now, that was done at a time, I think, just as the pandemic was beginning to get underway. But even with the start of the pandemic, you know, many people responded in a positive way to that campaign. And there's many other things that churches can do this time of year that would be a great way to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. For example, um, with Easter coming up in the not-too-distant future, you might consider having a Good Friday service at your church. You might want to have some kind of passion play at your church. Now, uh, granted... When it comes to doing a passion play, it might be a little too late this year to do that at your church if you haven't already planned on doing it, but it would be great to start now planning for next year. There was a movie that came out several years ago called The Passion of the Christ. Your church might want to schedule an Easter weekend showing of that particular movie. Now, you might have to do it in two parts. The, the movie is almost three hours long in its original form. So it might be a little bit too long to do for just one service. But you could say on Easter weekend, Saturday night, Sunday night, we're going to show this movie called The Passion of the Christ. Once again, that could be a great way to invite people coming to your church. Many churches today have the neighborhood Bible study small groups. And what a great way to expand the ministry of your church. You might have some people, for example, they live in a neighborhood maybe 10 or 15 miles from the church. And you can invite people 10 or 15 miles away to come to a Bible study that is meeting in their church so that they can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ presented in the form of a fellowship Bible study. That would be a great idea. <laughs> now, by the way, uh, my phone is ringing. 
but they can leave a voicemail. I'm not going to stop a radio broadcast just for the sake of answering the phone. Amen. Um, <laughs> we're going to keep going. Uh, like I say, you, you, you preach a message that the Lord wants you to preach. I, I tell you, the devil will find every way possible to stop it. But I know how to keep going, and that I will do. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. But anyway, we have to ask ourselves, what are we willing to do? What sacrifices are we willing to make? What changes are we willing to bring about in our own life in order to see other people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord? That's something for you to think about. Well, that, that basically, in a nutshell, is the message that God has laid it on my heart to preach today. I hope it's affected someone. I hope you'll download this particular broadcast and share it with other people. And let's get serious about trying to reach our world with the life-saving, life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. Right now, let's go to God in a word of prayer. Dear Lord, I just want to pray right now that you will be with those who have heard this sermon today. Lord, I pray that it will not be just another sermon, but that people will take this sermon and do something with it. Lord, you know how much we need revival in America today. Lord, you know how much we need revival in this world today. Lord, we know that when we think about the war going on right now between Russia and the Ukraine, we think that that is just further evidence that all over the world, Lord, we need to see a great revival. And Lord, I pray that we as Christians will be willing to do whatever it takes to see that great revival happen in this particular country or in the countries around the world where people are listening to this broadcast. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Now, by the way, if you'd like to comment about this sermon or this radio program called Sunshine USA, all you have to do is shoot me an email, warrenlandis at yahoo.com or warrenlandis at gmail.com. I've got two different email addresses. Either way, I'll get your email and I'll be glad to respond to it. It might be that you have a question about Bible study. As you know, right now we're currently engaged in a Bible study series from the book of Hosea. On the next broadcast, I'll be doing commentary on the seventh chapter of Hosea. So if you have a Bible study related question, I'll be glad to answer it. If you have a prayer request, you can use these same two emails to shoot me an, e uh, an email prayer request, and I'll be glad to pray over that request. And if you give me permission, I'll be glad to share that prayer request with our unseen, unnumbered radio audience. Well, if you'd like my snail mail address, I have that too. My snail mail address is Warren Landis, 80 Thruston Street. That's um, 
T-H-R-U-S-T-O-N, 80 Thruston Street, apartment 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, 29605. That's Warren Landis, 80 Thruston Street, apartment 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, 29605. And if you feel that of the Lord to send a financial contribution to help out with the production of this radio program, I'd be glad for you to do so. I can assure you the money is used as efficiently as possible. For example, I don't receive a dime for doing this radio broadcast. I don't get a penny of it. I don't get a salary. I don't get a paycheck. I do it only for one reason. And that one reason is because I love Jesus Christ and I love you. That's the only reason I have for doing it. So there's there's no payroll cost in our ministry whatsoever, and I'm the only employee, and I work for free. And I don't plan to ever accept a salary for what I'm doing here at Sunshine USA. I want all the financial proceeds from this ministry to go directly 100% into the preaching and the proclaiming of the gospel of Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Well, that brings us to the end of another broadcast of Sunshine USA. I've enjoyed uh, being with you. (laughs) You know, it, it would be amazing if I could see the places where people are listening to Sunshine USA. I could see some people in some parts of the world with their smartphone and Maybe they're sitting down under a shade tree somewhere just listening to the Bible being taught and the gospel being preached. Man, I tell you, that gets exciting. Amen. Praise the Lord. (laughs) But don't fret none because I'll be back next time on Sunshine USA.